everyone. Welcome to Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. Rock Bottom is about people who have a story to tell to inspire others to keep working toward their potential no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at you. It's an opportunity to learn, pivot, and adapt to whatever the universe throws your way. Rock Bottom is also a place where you can choose to take responsibility for everything in your life because it's when you take responsibility that you gain control to make changes to make good things happen for yourself. Your secrets are the prison of your emotions. So with that, I want to really encourage you to tell your story and ask for help. Get it off your chest and get it out there, and that's when you can make a difference. My guest today is Marcus Ogden, and boy, oh boy, he has really put it out there. You can reach him at MarcusOgden.com. You can also read his books. He's got a new one coming out in January. I'm going to put that in the show notes where he really gives away all his secrets. They were not really secrets because he's so giving um, to what he has applied in his own life to bring about the success he has in spite of some uh, serious rock bottom moments and feeling at times that he wanted to give up. So I hope you'll enjoy this uh, episode with Marcus Ogden. Reach out to him. He'd love to hear from you. And so would I. Uh, make sure you get his book. And um, any questions you have, or if you are interested in coming on Rock Bottom Syndicate, I would love to, uh, to talk to you. So tell your story. Ask for help. Rock Bottom is an opportunity to learn. And I hope that you uh, grab that opportunity when you find yourself there. Enjoy this show. Hello, Marcus. It's so nice to uh, to meet you in person. I've heard you speak before, and now I get to talk to you myself. I'm so excited. Hi, Joyce. How are you? I'm great. Um, I hope you had a good Christmas, by the way. And it was it was. I have two daughters, a 15 year old and a five year old, so they had a great Christmas. My wife got some nice things she wanted, and all that stuff. So. Overall, Santa took care of me. Everybody had a great Christmas. Oh, that's nice. And, and of course, this time of year, new, new year, new decade, all new things. New year, new decade. That's so right. It's 10 years have now gone. Now we're going to go to 2020. So, yeah, absolutely. New decade. And hopefully everybody will be ready to go strong. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I first learned about you um, from hearing a, a story that sounded like you'd had some tough times in your life. And um, after somehow after hearing your story, I came up with this podcast idea to tell rock bottom stories to inspire people because when I heard your story, it inspired me. So I'd love <laughs> our listeners to hear, you know, just like what kind of led you into what you do now, like that whole segue of you doing what you were doing in the NFL and then things not going the way you had projected and what you've done. Right. Yeah. So, so basically after my NFL career, I played almost six years and had a fantastic time, made lots of great friends. I still have a lot of friends I talk to to this day. And the NFL was a great experience. It was a great opportunity. And it was nice to kind of build a platform to move on after sports. So when I retired, I was almost 28 years old. I really wasn't ready for retirement per se. I had some back injuries, some other issues. So when I left the game, uh, I had an injury, but I wasn't really prepared for it. So that was my first kind of rock bottom moment where I was like, what do I do now? I've been playing football since I was 14. 
Now I'm 28, so I'm almost 28, so almost 14 years of my life, I've been playing football, high school, college, the NFL. What do I do next? And after feeling sorry for myself at that rock bottom moment for about six months, I got off the couch, I put the bottle down, I stopped taking pills, and I said, okay, what can you do, Marcus, that's going to be very productive to help other people in society and also get yourself going on a daily basis? So I decided to start a construction company uh, in 2008. And in 2008, that's kind of when the whole market crashed. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were kind of going out of business. But I was a contractor commercial working for big people in downtown Baltimore. So I wasn't like in the housing market like that. I got into commercial construction. Mm -hmm. And I grew my company uh, in the first, you know, almost four years from $0 to a multi-million dollar a year, eight-figure annual per year business. We had a lot of success working for big contractors, big jobs. Uh, We grew rapidly, uh, and we had a lot of of, uh, people that loved our work. The problem was, Joyce, as the company grew, so did my ego, Mm. so did my ability to not listen to people, so did my uh, bravado, where I thought I knew everything, I was always right. And unfortunately, in 2012, we hit a snag on a big project. It was a multi-million dollar, almost a little over $4 million project uh, in downtown Baltimore. We hit a snag where the site wouldn't dry, and I had to spend about three, all, between 2 to $3 million of my own money in less than 90 days to get the job site rectified and cleaned up. And once I did that, I thought, because I shook the hand of my client, who was another client, who was a client of mine for a while, Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to take care of the change order, and we gave them all the documentation, the hours, all everything, and the change order was denied because the developer denied the change order, and yeah. that sent me into a Chapter 7 bankruptcy in 2013, where, so basically January, I knew it was over, February, March, we're trying to clean everything up to move, and I had very little money. So between February and March, we're trying to get ourselves together. Me and my girlfriend, who became my fiance, is now my wife. uh, And we actually moved from Baltimore to Raleigh. And we got down there. And uh, when I got to Raleigh, Joyce, I had $400 to my name. That's it. That's it. I had a job. Now, I had a job because the NFL helped me find a job with Merrill Lynch. But I wasn't going to get paid for about six weeks that I missed the pay cycle. Mm -hmm. So I literally was going to be almost, well, not almost, I was probably about a week away from being homeless for a a little while, trying to figure out what to do next because I wasn't gonna have, I didn't have the money. And how are you gonna tell a landlord that you just met, oh, can I pay you in six weeks? Like, you know, I don't really really know you at all. We have no history, but you 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 can trust me in six weeks, sure. No. But that wasn't going to be the case. So I you got from the National Football the, League. You know what fascinates me the most, if I could interrupt a sec, is sure. you being in this, these situations, you know, from, from the NFL and then, like you say, on the couch for a while and then in this bankruptcy. When you're in a, like a desperate situation like that, how did you shift your mindset to be able to get out of the desperate thinking into problem solving? That's so fascinating. Great question, Joyce. So after all that happened, I was at Merrill Lynch. 
uh, the, the house was taken care of. We were able to stay in the house. Merrill Lynch, I was there for about a month to two months, got fired. Got a job to a construction company next day, was fired again, two times in the same week. When I was able to change my mindset, like you just said, I was a custodian making $8.25 an hour in 2013, September. So a little over six years ago, I was a custodian and I had my pivotal rock bottom moment where somebody's trash got on my bare skin, taking it out into the dump, doing my job. And that was the moment, Joyce, that I said, all right, that was when my mindset shifted that if I don't change something right now, Mm -hmm. I'll always be right here blaming everybody else in society for the things that I did wrong. So it's my decision to either have this as a wake-up call or Mm -hmm. let this put me to the grave because I haven't woken up from being always someone who's never accountable that always blames others. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you were somehow able to get into that more problem solving and take some extreme ownership for things going wrong. Extreme ownership is the key two words you just said, because it's one thing to problem solve, right? That's great. Problem solving strengthens your business. It strengthens your position. It strengthens your overall brand. But before you get to problem solving, you have to figure out you're the problem. (laughs) So I had to take ownership that I was the problem. So once I realized I was the problem, then I started problem solving me, my attitude, my disposition, my mindset, all that had to change. Wow. So what happened next when you started to do that? I then came home and wrote down my goals, uh, wanted to be a keynote speaker. I tell you all the time, 42% of people who write their goals down, Joyce, are much more likely to achieve them. So I came home, wrote down my goals of being a speaker, wrote a little outline, and I just started hitting the pavement, letting people know in my inner circle I wanted to do. It took me two and a half years to get my first paid job as a speaker. Mm-hmm. But once I did, I started to leverage more jobs, more relationships, more people. And now I've been doing it now for the last almost uh, six, well, six and a half years, give or take. And it's been great. But it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of, like you said, going through things, problem solving, adding the right team, learning how to bounce back from that rock bottom moment. That, and this is what I tell you all the time, Joyce. Everybody's rock bottom is sensitive to them. Could be a death in a family. It could be loss of money, loss of a job. Mm-hmm. Whatever that moment is to you, I respect and understand that. So yeah. what you have to do is you have to find the strength within, from within yourself at your rock bottom or your pivotal moment to get up. Because everybody's moment is different and it's going to be dear and real to them, not to what other people think that it should be to or for them. Right. That's a really important point. I'm glad you said that. And I've heard other people who have had tough times say, look, I'm not in a contest to say mine. My rock bottom was bigger than your rock bottom. It's it's very, like you say, specific to the person and what it, you know, makes them. Very relative. Yeah. 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 So... How how did you know you wanted to be a speaker? Did you had you tried that before? Was it completely new? You just had the gift of gab? What? 
Great question. So I did some speaking while in the NFL for different, you know, programs, Gatorade, you know, some middle schools, high schools, and I really enjoyed it. But why I started speaking in the first part, in the first place, was to help athletes avoid bankruptcy like I did, like I went through. So many athletes go through a Chapter 7 bankruptcy or some type of bankruptcy. I think the statistics were 78%. Now, some people say this is between 48 to 78%. Either way you want to go, the low end or the high end, it's still too much. Still too much. So I was trying to share my experiences to help athletes avoid my mistakes. But the more I got into it and saw different people, clientele, different industries, different, you know, all genders. I realized everyone has problems, either financial or planning or time management. So I just started to expand my speaking to start going after more, you know, schools and not-for-profits. Then I did a couple small corporate, then went to a couple Fortune 500 corporate, and it's just evolved from there. Wow. So, so you took the basic thing that you like to do that you felt a natural passion for with some purpose behind it. You've, you know, obviously had some pain involved. And so there was that, that powerful why, and then you just stayed open to possibility. Absolutely. It's like, like you said, in life, if you have the opportunity to do what you love as a passion and you recognize it, you have to go and do it now. I tell people all the time, it's not easy. Don't expect anybody to roll the red carpet out for you because that's not the way it's going to be. Yeah. No one's going to hand you success, but you have the best chance of achieving what you want if you have a strong mindset. And I tell people all the time, there's four things that make a very strong elite championship mindset. Number one is you have to be somebody who's always willing to be humble. If you're humble and you have strong humility, you will be very good with a strong mindset. Number two is you have to have great communication skills. Learn to be open, be effective, be honest, and help people understand what you're trying to do and try to help them understand how you can add value to them with your words or with your actions. More importantly, your actions. Number, uh, number three It's all going to come down to making sure, making sure that you have the ability to prioritize and execute what is necessary in life. When you have a mindset where you know what priorities number one is or what needs to be accomplished and executed, you have the best chance of achieving what you want in life. And the fourth one is always be innovative and adapt to your environment. When something comes up that you don't expect, you have to have that strong mindset that you can adapt to anything that's necessary to get the job done. So these are some things, along, of course, some other things I talk about in some of my talks, that why if you can do these things, you're going to have an elite championship mindset. Wow. Those are really great foundational points. I can see um, how... how um, you could dig into each area and really, you know, get work more deeply in each area, but those are nice, simple way to break it down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things about setting a really great culture, Joyce, in an organization 
and your inner circle in life in general, keep things simple. You know, when you try to make things difficult or you try to make, make it that you're smarter than everybody else or all that stuff, and if your words or your message gets lost or distorted along the way as a leader, you're not doing a, a good job because the best leaders keep it simple, right? And they also understand the importance of a strong teamwork mentality to help have that elite culture where everyone feels they're part of that organization and can help that organization thrive to achieve what the uh, desired goals are. So when you played in the NFL or previously, did you have, were you always a leader? Did you have this leadership skill and not, I mean, this takes some knowledge and then experience. You know, I said, no, when I played football, I was an offensive lineman and I was someone that would lead by actions. The one thing I wish I had done more of when I was playing football would have been more of a vocal leader as far as helping others who were struggling. Uh, I was always doing what I had to do. But sometimes I wish I could have helped out some of the younger players, like in high school, college, NFL. Yeah. Or I wish I could have you know, been a better resource to some people. Because looking back on it, I didn't share enough of the knowledge that I knew uh, during my career with other players or people. And I wish I could take that back. So now even today, I still do some part-time coaching of the youth. Uh, once a week because that's when I when I was down here in 2013 between doing coaching and being a, a custodian that paid my bills for about about a six-month period mm -hmm. so I did it all the time five six days a week all the time all around the clock where today I'm very blessed where I can have another form of a career that I really love mm -hmm. so I still do it though once a week to kind of give back to those uh, young players that are might be having some things about life or sports or just things about education that they want, they don't know who to talk to. They can always talk with me. So I'm trying to do that more now than when I play. Uh, of course, when I play, because when I play, I didn't do as much as I should have. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because some people say that the act of giving and, and giving to others helps put us even in a better place to grow. Oh, if you're someone who's always adding value through your social media posting, conversation, uh, you know, just interaction, you're always going to get more back and you're always going to grow. When people who, and I've seen people who have a lot of talent and unless you pay them money, money, they're not going to tell you anything. They're not going to, they're not going to share their knowledge. Even sometimes if you do pay them, they may only tell you a little bit, mm -hmm. not the whole shebang to really help you get, you know, to grow yourself. And that's unfortunate because, you know, anyone who has knowledge that can pass along with action steps or with content or with messaging, they should do so because it's only going to help you grow your business at the same time, but a lot of people, they don't see it that way. They're like, oh, if I tell everybody my stuff, they're going to know what I do. Well, yeah, that's okay, but they can know what you do, but they're not you. Yeah. Your story is not their story. So yeah. I tell people all the time, I'll tell anyone anything about mindset, culture, uh, leadership skills, 
uh, you know, a career value drivers, like a great career value driver I tell all the time is situational awareness and analysis, which is a big one under learning how to read people if you're trying to become a, a good salesperson. Mm-hmm. The first big thing I tell people is pattern recognition. Everyone has a pattern. Mm-hmm. Get to know that pattern. What do they like? What do they don't like? What are they good at? What are they not good at? These are some huge indicators that you can utilize to help you when it comes to closing a sale. So again, pattern recognition is a real big one when it comes to situational awareness and analysis. Another good one is market analysis. Mm -hmm. What are people in your area doing? What's working? What's not working? If you're wanting to start a restaurant or a bar and you're going to a district that has a thousand restaurants, maybe not the best place to go. But if you have a restaurant and you're somewhere kind of like near the interstate, not a lot of restaurants around, and you have a good food, you know, a good food quality, you have good marketing dollars, you can get out to the masses, maybe be a great place to go. So a lot of times people will go into things not studying the market. And then they get to their, their, their place where they want to be, or so they think, and they don't want to be there. So these yeah. are some type of things I talk about uh, all the time. But you have to give people knowledge and information. Otherwise, you're never going to separate yourself to help your business grow, but you're also going to help anybody else grow. And that is, like you said, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, have you ever had a time where you've just felt like giving up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't get a paid job, Joyce, for two and a half years, 30 months. So there was plenty of times where I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What am I, what am I thinking? Like, why don't just stick to football, go get a job coaching high school football and make, you know, 30, 40,000 a year as a coach, or maybe go to find a small college somewhere. Yes, you don't really like, you enjoy the teaching part of football, mm-hmm. but no, you don't like the business side of it, being gone all the time, 11 months out of the year on the road. Yeah, you don't like all that, but it's going to pay the bills, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to get you from A to B, not A to Z, A to B or A to C. Yeah. So, you know, but I remember the time I almost quit was the time I was coming off an airplane uh, from a, actually a, like a, a coaching uh, a coaching uh, clinic that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing my phone. I had an email from this uh, a thing called Speaker Match that this, uh, that this um, school was interested in hiring me to talk to at their graduation speech. Mm-hmm. Called them up, went about, back and forth for about two weeks, and then they gave me the job. And that was my first paid job in Wilmington, North Carolina for Miller Mott College at their 100th commencement graduation speech. But right before I got that ding on my phone, right when I landed back in Raleigh after the, the coaching clinic, yeah. I, was to- I told myself, yeah. one more week, that's it. One more week, Marcus, and then you're done. This is, you're going to move on from this. Two and a half years is too long to vest without a paid job. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so I so I almost quit Joyce right before I got my first paid job. Wow, that reminds me of that uh, book Three Feet from Gold. Have you read that? Where that a person had I don't know exactly the story, but basically the person has 
uh, property where they think he thinks there's gold and he digs and digs and digs and gives up finally and sells it at a discount to somebody who does a little research and finds gold three feet from where the last person stopped. They were so close. Wow. Yeah. So you were three feet from gold and you didn't even know it. (laughs) Great, great, great message. Because I think all the time, what if I had quit? What if I had allowed the rock bottom moment and moments I had gone through for that whole two and a half years to allow me to quit. And where would I be today? Because if I had quit in 2000, oh God, that was 2016, where I am today as a, uh, well, my first book came out in 2015. And then my second one comes out next month. And then I've done speaking for so many organizations, which I'm so blessed and so grateful for. I have a lot of coaching clients, I executive coach, consult, all that. But if I had quit in 2016, right, that was in, uh, that was in March, I planned on quitting. Yeah. If I had quit in March 2016, I wouldn't be here today. Wow. That makes me sad to even think about because you have so many gifts and so much knowledge. And so I'm, so, I'm really happy that um, I got to meet you. And, you know, I met you through one of your clients. And um, I have a lot of respect for her. And I can really see the value that you've brought to her life. So it makes, it makes me happy that you didn't quit. <laughs> well, you know, Joyce, I appreciate that. And I tell you all the time is that, you know, if the journey is not if there's no struggle in the journey, then it's not, it's not worth it, right? I mean, it's not what you really should be doing for the long haul. But you have to understand that you have to always just not give up on yourself. It's so easy to give up on other things, like, you know, that dream or that vision or that plan, you know, all that stuff. But I tell you all the time, if you want to give up on all that stuff, that's on you. Just never give up on yourself, yeah. Because if you can reinvent yourself and do different things and try different things, then that's all that matters. If you fail and you haven't given up on yourself, you'll go again. You'll try again. And that's all life really is about. Are you willing to push and reinvent yourself and try again where most people are just going to what? Stay in their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time. There's three zones. It's a comfort zone, breakthrough zone, arrogance zone. The comfort zone is where probably about 96% of our society will stay because it's safe. They'll work for somebody else. They'll get their paycheck. They'll get their 401k. They'll, but they'll go through life miserable or complaining or saying, God, I don't like my job. I don't like my situation. I don't like having to punch a clock. Like they'll complain, complain, complain. Then you have about 2% who go, who have had success. Then they go to the danger zone because they're so arrogant and overconfident and they can't tell them anything and they end up in danger. And then they end up going into a really bad situation. Then there's 2% of society that stays in that breakthrough zone mm-hmm. and they're always successful. They're never complaining. They're never arrogant. Now they work a lot. The Steve Harveys of the world, the Oprahs of the world, you know, all these people that are the successful, you know, individuals that have built the Steve Jobs before he passed away, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, these people who have defied the odds 
and they didn't allow Elon Musk is another great one. Like he, people said, what? A car that doesn't have gas? What are you thinking? <laughs> now look at now Tesla sold more than Mercedes Benz did of cars last year or this year, right? So these are the people that are in that breakthrough zone where the magic happens that they are not comfortable in staying in that little area, but they know enough not to go to that other side of being overconfident all the time mm-hmm. where it puts them in that danger zone. So the breakthrough zone is where the magic happens. As long as you don't get complacent and drop back into the comfort zone and then you don't rise and become arrogant or egotistical going into the danger zone. Well, we, we only have about a minute left, and it sounds like that last piece that you talked about with the zones is really what you lived to figure it out. And I think what has impressed me the most in that last part was not, not conflating failing at, an, at a business enterprise as failing at yourself, that you really, those are two separate things. And Failure is just a lesson, you know, if you if you do not or you being adaptable and being able to pivot. So that's so yes, and th- you said the word right there being able. There's three things that sabotage the best of senior leaders. Number one, the inability to pivot. The way you correct that is you hire correctly and you train people that can change with the times. Number two is the self-imposed pressure to feel that you always have to have the right answer. The -hmm. correction for that is take advice from your trusted team that you pay a salary to to get their trusted advice. And number three is not allowing healthy inclusion and dialogue. The way you correct that is give people the environment to express themselves without fear of being judged so they can give you the most honest, constructive feedback to help your company grow. Wow, that's great, great information, great advice. Anything else you want to add to this? I know people can reach you at marcusogden.com, right? That's correct. You can reach me at marcusogden.com. That's my website. Uh, You can reach me on LinkedIn. It's at Marcus Ogden. Instagram is at Marcus Ogden. Facebook's Marcus Ogden. And I'm going to close with this. You have to first believe it before you can see it. If you don't believe in your core, down to your ever being, that you deserve success, Mm -hmm. right? Or that you are someone that's confident to go out and face all the adversity you're going to face along your journey. Mm -hmm. If you don't have good physiology to always be upbeat and lively, You're never going to succeed to the level that you deserve to succeed at. There's three things that help you with confidence. Good physiology, control your mental focus, have a strong core positive belief that you deserve to have success. But if you don't believe it, then you're never going to see it. Because if you don't believe it in your heart and soul that you want to be great and you deserve that, the actions you're going to do will never reflect what you're looking for because you haven't believed it before doing the actions. Mm -hmm. Sounds, sounds perfect. Sounds exactly what I needed to hear today is for sure. And (laughs) my list isn't going to appreciate it. And that's what rock bottom syndicates all about is really telling your story and setting an example for others that can be inspired inspirational, even, even though 
it didn't feel that way at the time of hitting rock bottom. Absolutely. You know what? It, you know, I tell, I talk about this in speeches sometimes. If somebody hasn't gone through some type of failure or experience or that rock bottom or that pivotal moment that is to them is that dear moment, yeah. I don't want to work with you because I tell you all the time, the Titanic, it's coming. It's yeah. coming, whether you believe it or not. And because if anything you want to do to be great at, you have to fail. Like in football, I failed all the time, got my butt kicked, lost games. In, in construction, hired the wrong people, did jobs I shouldn't have, underbid, overbid, all these different things, right? In yeah. speaking, didn't get awarded jobs and lost clients and didn't do this, do that. So Everything I've done in my life, I've gone through some type of failure or some type of experience that was not a good feeling to get where I am today. So if you haven't been through that in life, it's coming. So I'm like, eh, you haven't been through anything? Well, uh, let's work together after you've had that experience because I know this from all I've seen of people, it just, it's coming. So it's very keen to be aware, but the only thing you can try to do is just is try to minimize your loss so you can understand how to get better for the next time.